And good morning, I'm Tom Snape, and this morning we're joined by Dr. Andrew Jackson, Superintendent at Sunman Dearborn Community Schools. And how are you doing this morning, Dr. Jackson? I'm doing great, Tom. It's great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Well, thanks uh, for joining us this morning. And uh, first up, uh, like a uh, uh, kind of like a, uh, a recap of the uh, 2021 school year, a uh, we'll say an academic year unlike uh, any other. Is that fair to say? Uh, absolutely, Tom. Uh, I've never seen anything like that in, in my career, and this is uh, my 29th year in education, uh, so never seen anything quite like it. Uh, uh, we had a great year, with all things considered. Um, you know, honestly, southeastern Indiana, in my opinion, um, is a little bit of, uh, of a gem in, in all of Indiana and all of the Midwest concerning what we were able to do this past school year, and that was in being in school for nearly the entire school year. So like many others in this area, we started in, in early August, um, and for our elementary students, we were in school every single day. For our high school and middle school students, uh, we did have uh, a number of cases, positive COVID-19 cases, right around Thanksgiving. So we had about four or five weeks where we had to do some uh, distance and then some hybrid learning. So students missed some days of school there, but then we got back in school full-time in January and finished the year out. So for us, we, we were pretty much in school all year round. You know, one, one thing we have to submit as part of the stimulus uh, money that's coming uh, through the state, uh, from the feds to the state, uh, is that we have to create a return to in-person instruction plan, and we kind of laugh uh, internally, and we call that the continue the in-person instruction plan. We've, we've been in, in person for quite some time, and we're going to con- continue next year as well. And, of course, uh, also a lot of uh, people had to play a role in this, uh, you know, you and also uh, some of your uh, your staff members as well. And also how about the uh, the local uh, county health officials and uh, some of the other players involved? Uh, who are some of those that uh, uh, you feel that uh, played a major role in, uh, in keeping school open uh, for the majority of the year? So in, in terms of internally, I, I can't say enough about our staff and, and particularly our students and parents. Uh, so our staff, you know, last summer uh, we came up with a reentry plan. Uh, we submitted it to the board for approval, and it has uh, significant additional protocols for this school year, uh, wearing our masks, socially distancing, uh, sanita- sanitation throughout the school year, additional protocols for that, additional protocols for athletics, and our staff really stepped up. They never once said, we can't do this, we don't want to do this, this is too hard. They had some questions, and I had some question and answer live sessions over the summer with them uh, that we connected via Google Meet, like uh, similar to a Zoom platform where they could hop on and ask their questions and get them answered. They all wanted to come back to school, and so we made an effort and a part to get back to school. And then our students and parents as well, um, the way they followed our protocols, uh, we, you know, we, we do get tired of doing it, and it's difficult, but they knew that the alternative was not to be in school, and so it was important to follow those protocols, and they did an outstanding job. And then I can't say enough about our local health officials. Um, so we're a little bit unique. We're in both Ripley County and Dearborn County. So Dr. Welsh at Ripley County was very helpful early in the process. Uh, once we moved into the school year, uh, to we uh, really communicated mostly with Dearborn County Health, and that's Dr. Uh, Steve Layson uh, down at Dearborn County. He was very reasonable, very approachable. Uh, I have a cell. I can call him whenever I want, whenever there's kind of a unique situation. How do we handle this quarantine, this close contact identifying? He was extremely helpful. 
and he knew that you know what he called is called it as being very surgical. So when we had a situation, how can we exclude the smallest number of students or staff possible and still be safe? And so he really took the time, instead of just doing the easy one, which is like, well, you need to tell the entire class they need to stay home or the entire team, or he was really taking the time to, to help us understand how we could really pinpoint. And we showed that very few students being quarantined were becoming positive. In fact, we only had, throughout the entire school year, all the students who were identified as close contacts, we only had one student that we know of that ended up uh, uh, becoming COVID-19 positive through all that. So uh, so lots of people are saying probably, uh, I probably missed some of them, but it was certainly a group effort. All right. And, of course, uh, you mentioned that back in class and also extracurriculars and uh, such as um, uh, band choir performances and also athletics, I- I'm sure, uh, presented its own unique challenges. It did. Um, it got easier as the school year went on uh, for a couple of reasons. But, you know, at the beginning, we we're just trying to figure some things out. So, uh, you know, we had our athletics. Uh, they had some strict protocols where, with things like we had students bring their own water bottles. Uh, we had students come to practice already in their practice uniforms, and so they didn't use the locker rooms when we first came back in August. Then over time, you know, we kind of went through three phases from the guidance from the ITSAA. With our performing arts, we were able to do our concerts, but we had to spread spread them out. So instead of having, as an example, having every band perform at our middle school, we had one band perform uh, with limited attendance. Those parents would leave. We would sanitize the facility, and the next group would come in. So a band concert that normally would be maybe an hour and a half for all the bands would stretch out into multiple days or a longer amount of time. And so we made all that happen. You know, and then obviously as the, as the spring came around, you know, we, we still did our winter play and we did our spring plays, uh, but the county uh, was kind of staying in the yellow to blue, so that gave us a little bit more uh, latitude in terms of some of the protocols allowing more in the audience for our spring plays and our spring musicals um, and our concerts. Uh, the athletics got much easier because for the for the most part they're outside, so you know we have some indoor practices for rain, but the you know the competitions are baseball, softball, track, uh, golf, tennis. They're all outside, so that makes it quite a bit easier in terms of uh, having people socially distance in the stands, things like that. So we made it through the year. Uh, we were really excited, particularly for our spring uh, plays and performances and athletics and our clubs, FCCLA, FFA, all those things. They all lost it last spring, and it's, it's, it seems like forever to go, to go back to April and May of 2020. But literally, the rug got pulled out from under our feet, and schools closed. So those students uh, weren't able to perform or compete for a couple of years. Uh, so, that, so they weren't able to perform our spring play or our spring concerts or our spring athletics till. Uh, back in 19, so it had been two years. So it was really, really important for us to make sure we were able to do those things, and we were very excited to be able to provide that. Now, as far as the uh, students who were denied those opportunities, obviously they can't go back and perform, but uh, you know, uh, looking ahead to, uh, to graduation uh, coming up, uh, is there anything as far as the uh, uh, class of 2020 uh, recognizing them, or uh, what's, uh, what's exactly the plan as far as that's concerned? So we had, uh, they had their own unique graduation uh, back in 2020 where it was a virtual graduation and then it was a parade, which we've, we're we not planning to do in the future. That We want to keep that special for the class of 2020. So for the class of 2020, uh, we had a 
parade back in May of 2020 where we had several people along the parade route. We started the high school, went through all the communities, you know, Guilford, Bright, St. Leon, Sunman, and brought them back. It was quite an endeavor. It was extremely exciting. Uh, we had a lot of people out in the community honking their horns and waving, and it was it was a very nice uh, setup, and so we were excited to provide that. And so we we decided this year that we that's not going to be a new tradition. We had some people ask, well, let's make this a new tradition, and we said, no, that's going to be the class of 2020. So that was their ceremony, and that's what they that we received for the class of 2021. Uh, it is a traditional graduation. It's on Sunday, June 6th at 2 o'clock. The only change is the limited capacity. So we are getting, uh, receiving four tickets each, or are distributing four tickets for each graduate instead of the normal 10. And we're also um, uh, 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 live streaming on our YouTube channel as well, our Trojan Media Productions. And that's been one of the um, uh, things that we've really been able to it's been a positive out of a, a difficult year one of the one of the major positives we've been able to experience is the expansion of our Trojan media productions throughout the entire school year they've been doing play-by-play at athletics they've been live streaming all the various uh, concerts uh, and they're going to do the same thing for our graduation coming up it's actually a class we teach it's this is the third year of the class but this year we've been able to really expand it and provide them some real world opportunities to show what we're doing here out to the public because of our limited capacity uh, for students or for the public to come to our facilities. I know traditionally uh, graduation has uh, been in the uh, the gym and then there's also been an overflow crowd in the um, in the uh, performing arts center. Is that uh, option uh, still on the plate there? No, we're not going to be doing the overflow crowd because we only have the four tickets per student so everyone will be in the main gym. Okay, so in the main gym, all right. So all right, so that is graduation. That is uh, Sunday, June 6th at 2 p.m. Again, limited capacity in the uh, East Central High School main gym. So, uh, but that's a, a great thing to look forward to. And uh, it's also a pretty pretty neat that uh, the fact that uh, the class of 2020 was denied so much uh, between prom and graduation and so forth, that you're able to keep that uh, particular uh, uh, parade and event unique. And with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, take a break, and we'll be back with more. We're going to shift gears here and talk about uh, construction and uh, possibly demolition. And that's coming up right after this. Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let To-Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To-Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville To-Go, big city convenience, small town taste. And welcome back. I'm Tom Snape, and we're speaking with the superintendent of the Sunman-Dearborn Community School Corporation, Dr. Andrew Jackson. And uh, Dr. Jackson, uh, of course, a, uh, a property that has been uh, vacant for quite some time is the former North Dearborn Elementary School uh, on uh, um, on the North Dearborn Road. Uh, what can you tell us as far as uh, where that's, uh, the status of that building stands? So that, uh, that building is being prepared for demolition. Uh, we plan on beginning demolition sometime uh, late summer, early fall, probably sometime around uh, either August, September, October in that time frame. Uh, we, we had 
We closed the building back in 2015. Uh, the board reconfigured our schools because of declining enrollment. Uh, we took the intermediate school and we moved North Dearborn to the intermediate school. That used to house fifth and sixth grade. So that became the uh, North Dearborn, got moved to that school. All three of our elementaries became K-5 schools instead of K-4. So they kept fifth grade there, and then sixth grade came up to our middle school. And by doing that, uh, the board really showed some vision in terms of financially uh, being stewards, and that has allowed us to really um, uh, remain in a very strong financial position the closing out school. So uh, we tried to, we had to put it on a website for two years at the state for a charter school, no charter school. Uh, I was interested. So then we attempted to sell it, uh, and there were n no potential buyers out there at that time. And so the board has decided they're going to demolish the, the uh, property and keep the land for possible future use. We really don't know at this point what's going to happen with the land in the future. Trojan football uh, leases a separate section of it. It's, it's actually deeded separately, uh, and they will continue to use that uh, for our Pee Wee football program. And then um, by the end of, this school, uh, end of this calendar year, that building will be demolished and returned to kind of a pasture. Uh, and at this point, we, the board feels like we will keep it for the short term. Uh, it is a valuable piece of property right in the middle of our school district, so there's some potential use that, that the school may find for it, or there may be some community use as well, but that's first things first, and the first thing we need to do is, is take care of the demolition of the, of the building, which we're doing now. We are applying uh, for a grant through the Office of Community and Rural Affairs, uh, which is a grant to help pay for the demolition, and they will. we have to do a 10% matching. Um, we estimate that the, the cost of the demolition will be around $450,000, so we've applied for a grant for $400,000. Uh, it's a long process. You have to do a proposal first, which we just got through that stage, and now we have to work on the application, which we've been approved to apply for it. So we'll apply for it in June, and we'll know in August if we receive the grant. And, of course, uh, people may not be aware, but the fact that uh, you know school corporations abandon a property such as North Dearborn, and it's not immediately uh, you know go in and uh, repurpose it or uh, knock the building down. You have to go through a process. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. And and part of that process is to to list it on the Department of Education website as a as a vacant building for a charter school to consider for a lease. Um, and then we we thought the best solution after that was to try to sell it. And it's it's just a very large building. And it just I, I showed it to some people, and there just weren't at that point any potential buyers. So they moved to the final stage of this is to decide to, to tear it down and demolish it. We got delayed because of COVID. So the grant we're applying for, we did this a year ago, and we had started this a year ago, and we're going through the same process. And then it got suspended in May last year, saying we're holding off on this for now. And so that really is what's been the most recent delay is waiting for that um, application to open back up with the state, which is what we're working on currently, Tom. All right, Dr. Jackson, and of course, uh, and moving on from demolition to construction, uh, you've got some construction projects. I know that uh, you had some roof replaced at several of your buildings, but uh, in addition to that, you also have some other things going on as far as that's concerned, including, uh, of course, the natatorium, but uh, you, uh, can you speak about the um, uh, roof, roof replacement and then uh, if we can move on to uh, some of the other ongoing construction projects? Uh, some in your Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 
Yes, we have a very large project. The total uh, project ended up being about $54 million total. Uh, the board uh, has been considering a project for uh, the last uh, several years, and they financed it and uh, timed it in a way that it would not increase our property tax. So um, uh, debt is paid for through the debt service. So you borrow the money, you sell bonds, borrow the money to pay for the construction, you pay it back through collecting property tax through the debt service. And so that has remained at around 50 cents, and our overall tax rate actually has has been very stable. In fact, this past year when this debt went on, um, our tax rate is the lowest, second lowest it's been in the last, you know, 20 plus years. So they've been very mindful of that. So that certainly helped through all this. Uh, we started on this a couple of years ago through a feasibility study, and then we actually started some of the projects back in March and April last year. We kind of took advantage of the schools being closed uh, unexpectedly. So the first thing, uh, we put what was called top priority items, Tom, and those were what we classified as warm, safe, and dry. So warm is the mechanicals, the boilers, the ventilation systems, all that. Are they end of life? How are they doing? Uh, the the safe are the various uh, safety aspects, which I'll talk about that in a second. And then the dry are the roofs, obviously, and the build, what they call building envelope, you know, are the are the windows sealed and you know, the brick, uh, do you have mortar issues and things like that that we're, we're working on. So we started last spring with the roofs. So every school got a new roof. Uh, you know, some of them got 80% because we did different sections, but for the most part, they all received new roofs, you know, between 89% new roofs. The only exception was the middle school. It's a metal roof, and those last for a long time, obviously. And uh, through our roof assessment, we determined that it still has at least 10 more years of life on that roof. So that's that was not done. So that happened back in uh, April, May of last year. And then in order to uh, build the a new natatorium, which is happening right now, uh, we had to create a new entrance on the backside of the high school. So that happened as well last summer. So all those things happened last summer, and, um, and, and then we moved into the major phase that we're currently in for all the various buildings. So we have several new mechanical systems going up. Uh, every school will have an improved vestibule where you enter through two doors where we can allow someone to enter the first door and visibly see them before we allow them into the building. Some of them are already set up like that, some are not, so we're making those changes as well. Uh, and we're doing a lot of upgrades to the finishes, uh, new carpets, new paint. Uh, you know, the middle school really hadn't had any major renovations since it was built. So if people go out to our Facebook webpage, we're, uh, we're trying to put some pictures out there. We are literally doing like, you know, the, the old show, The Extreme Home Makeover. This is basically an extreme school makeover. It is upstairs. They're doing this this summer, which is our sixth grade hallway. From ceiling to carpet, they're coming. They're coming in. They're taking out the ceiling. They're replacing the ceiling grid. Putting in LED lights to save energy. They're getting new paint, new lockers, new carpets. All those things are happening upstairs. The gym is getting refurbished with new bleachers. Those are the original bleachers. That's happening both the high school and middle school this summer. So we're kind of working through those rooms and upgrading them. All three of our elementaries are getting new carpets, new finishes. Uh, we're air conditioning the gym at some elementary that has never been air conditioned. Uh, Bright is getting new boilers. There's a new chiller at North Dearborn. All mechanical systems that were end of life or improvements, uh, they're getting improved playgrounds. So every playground will have a uh, all-weather surface with a nice playground and a shelter as well to get out of the sun and if, if needed. 
So a lot of exciting things, and, and, and of course, the natatorium is going on that backside, and, and our back entrance will just be a beautiful new entrance with our new softball and baseball fields, expanded parking, and our new uh, beautiful natatorium, uh, which, and then when that comes online, and uh, not this coming school year, but in the spring of 22, we're actually going to add uh, swimming back into our PE programming at our middle school and high school, so we're excited about that as well. Uh, so it's, there's a lot going on, and we have to kind of squeeze it in different uh, breaks. So we do what we can for spring break and fall break and winter break, and then right now we're in summer break. We did compact our calendar and add some e-learning this past year, so we actually were able to get out on May 13th. Um, that was strictly COVID-related. It had nothing to do with the building project, but it actually very much helped out our building project. We, we have a very aggressive uh, construction schedule this summer to get a lot done because we're out uh, in a, a, an extended amount of time, which is two weeks longer than normal. And, of course, uh, Trojan Field several years ago uh, was uh, had the uh, the field turf, and, uh, and you mentioned baseball and softball diamonds, and those have also have the field turf as well, I understand. Yes, so both our uh, baseball and softball received turf, and, you know, several times during the school year in the spring, I would walk out there to look at the construction, and we had uh, PE classes on our tennis courts, on our softball field, on our baseball field, and on our football field. So when you think about having 2,200 kids here on campus with our middle school, high school, every period we have four or five PE classes going on. Uh, that was a great opportunity that those things could get used because in the past it was hard to find outside space in the springtime when it's wet. Uh, another, you know, a great by having the field turf and another benefit is is the weather. So throughout the school year, uh, we have uh, the spring season we've had to reschedule only a few softball and baseball games. It's been a wet wetter than normal spring, particularly this May. Uh, that our baseball field was in kind of a low spot, a little bit of a swamp back there. Well, we've been able to have all of our games this year. The only time we've had a delay is when there's truly lightning, but we've never had an issue where we've had our fields been too wet. So that's been a huge advantage as well in the springtime where it's very difficult uh, with the weather. And then on top of that, uh, you have to try to reschedule with other schools, and then you're trying to reschedule when more rain's coming. So it, it made that much easier. But so, you know, both our sports seasons have improved because of that, but then also our programming for our PE has improved as well. All right. And uh, uh, finally, uh, anything else as far as you're concerned that uh, needs to be addressed here at this time? Uh, no, I think we're good. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Jackson, for joining us uh, on the program this morning. And uh, we look, uh, have a great summer. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you uh, for the time. And I hope your listeners found some valuable information today. All right. Thank you very much. And again, our thanks to uh, Dr. Andrew Jackson, superintendent at Sunman Dearborn Community Schools. I'm Tom Snape.